you are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Another Chicago Bears player opts out of the 2020 season as the NFL extends the deadline for players to change their minds. Welcome into today's Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox, and I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today, we will update you on all of the latest COVID-19 developments with this Chicago Bears team, including one veteran safety opting out for the 2020 season and how that pretty well solidifies the four safeties they're going to keep on the roster as a result. But we also have John Jenkins and Eric Sobert coming back from the COVID-19 list with that now cleared for now. And then we'll also look at what would happen if the coaching staff had a COVID-19 outbreak the way we're seeing with the Eagles and Doug Peterson and a little fun with the Bears coaching staff depth chart. Originally, Monday was going to be the deadline for NFL players to decide for sure whether they want to sit out for this 2020 season as allowed by the Players Association and the league on some of the agreements that they've made. But they've been finalizing some further agreements now that I believe were just made official fairly late on Monday night. And the NFL made this deadline now Thursday at 3 o'clock central time in the afternoon is now the new deadline for players to opt out. And I think this deadline is going to be the permanent one and will likely not move again, given that there seems to be a more formal agreement behind this. And there's some other slight changes in terms of uh, a window and a deadline for players and some concessions on different language in this deal, you know, sort of the intricate legal ramifications. But regardless, still another two days for players to decide whether or not to opt out. And by now... Everyone is through the initial wave of COVID-19 protocol in terms of having, I think it was a requirement of three negative COVID-19 tests over the course of the first four days. Anyone who didn't meet that, of course, was then placed on the COVID-19 list. But now everyone's sort of been inside their team's security protocols, gotten to see the expanded locker rooms, gotten to see the different sanitization and other requirements that every team is going to have. And... Now they can really get a sense of, okay, do I feel comfortable proceeding in this environment or is this just not something that, you know, an individual player wants to risk, especially involving his family and his situation. And that seems to be what leads someone like Jordan Lucas to make the decision on Monday to officially opt out of the season. The safety was brought in as a free agent this offseason from the Kansas City Chiefs, not a player who was necessarily directly competing for that starting lineup, but a player who seemed to have a pretty sure spot on this 53-man roster, someone who's been a consistent special teams player before on multiple teams, a guy who could step in on defense in a pinch if they needed to, but the competition for the starting job was always going to be Tashawn Gibson versus Deion Bush, and it was a question of Jordan Lucas versus DeAndre Houston Carson for that number four safety spot, and whether or not the Bears would want to keep five safeties just to have some versatility there and some backup depth in case things change in the COVID-19 situation. But Lucas made the decision for Ryan Pace, and 
you know, the team is going to respect that decision the same way they did with Eddie Goldman. Certainly a much more manageable loss than a starting nose tackle, but still one that, you know, it is valuable depth to have. There's a reason the team went out and made it a fairly early priority to sign Jordan Lucas, all things considered. I mean, he was signed before Tashawn Gibson for very different reasons, but still he was a player that they identified, even on just a one-year deal, a, a player they identified as someone valuable to have in this building early in the free agent process. So he will be missed, and it puts the pressure back on DeAndre Houston Carson to be a, a four-phase special teams guy, depending on who loses the safety competition. I think right now Deshaun Gibson is the front runner, and so Deion Bush will likely be back in that number three safety role, and maybe Jordan Lucas could have been in that sort of a spot too, in, in that discussion for that position. But now they are down to four safeties on the training camp roster, and that could very well be the four safeties they carry through the regular season. Although last year we saw them go back, kind of back and forth between listing Sherrick McManus at safety versus cornerback, and I can't help but feel like moving on or, or losing Jordan Lucas in this way does help Sherrick McManus's chances for making this 53-man roster again in that hybrid safety cornerback role where if Lucas was going to be the number five safety maybe there's a little bit less incentive to keep Sherrick McManus because you don't need another safety so he's just another cornerback for you and, and Lucas can take some of those special team snaps so maybe you could have kept a younger cornerback instead but now with Lucas out of the picture McManus can be that number five safety slash number six cornerback like we saw from last season and then it's just a question of who are going to be the other cornerbacks they keep on the bench. You know, Fuller, Jalen Johnson, Buster Screen are all for sure locks. Probably for sure one of Artie Burns or Kevin Tolliver, if not both. And then you've got so many other young guys at the position in terms of recent late-round draft picks that there's some good young depth there. And as again, as much as Jordan Lucas will be missed, his vacancy could open up another spot for a younger player in the secondary. A couple of other spots were opened up and quickly filled as the Bears did a little bit more roster shuffling with that reserve COVID-19 list. We'll look at the return of John Jenkins and Eric Saubert and the corresponding moves to open those roster spots next on Locked On Bears. The Bears still have a lot of moving parts when it comes to this roster and COVID-19 and nobody knows moving parts better than rockauto.com. They're a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and they're actually headquartered not that far from where I live. What I love about them is how well organized their catalog is. So if I need to replace a part in my vehicle, say I need another cabin air filter, I don't know what the specific type of air filter my vehicle needs you know they're all different shapes and sizes but i can just go under rock auto's catalog sort by my make my year my model and then go to the specific part i need and it'll automatically give me a bunch of different selections for that specific part of different qualities different price ranges but i know they're all going to be what fits my vehicle specifically so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. 
The great Chicago Bears nose tackle crisis of 2020 officially lasted four days from the time John Jenkins was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list to the time John Jenkins was removed from the reserve COVID-19 list. The four days there, there was an undrafted rookie free agent, Lee Autry, essentially sitting at the top of the Bears nose tackle depth chart ready to start for week one. But Jenkins is back and the Bears are at least serviceable on the interior of their defensive line. Like we talked about before, with Goldman opting out, there will be a significant decrease in consistency and talent up front that will be very well missed. But Jenkins is at least a a veteran with some reliability through his career. We've seen it in Chicago. We've seen it in in a few different stops along the way. Not a guy that you want to rely on as a 16-game starter if you can avoid it, but somebody who can hold down that interior a little bit and give you some good snaps in a rotation, absolutely. And there will be snaps available for other guys on that depth chart, Brent Urban in particular, Abdullah Anderson maybe if he sticks on the 53-man roster, or even one of these undrafted rookie free agents, although at this point that seems a little bit less likely. But Jenkins is officially back, and the fact that he was only on the list for 14 days suggests, again, just reading between the lines, that he was not someone who tested positive for COVID-19 during that initial round of testing when players reported to House Hall, because I believe then you have to be on the COVID-19 list until you test positive a couple of times over the course of a stretch of days, and typically someone who tests positive is quarantined for 14 days to make sure that the symptoms and everything kind of runs through your system. So some simple math here would suggest, and we don't know for sure, but would suggest that Jenkins was not recovering from COVID-19, but perhaps had been exposed to someone who had tested positive for COVID-19, but did not uh, apparently seem to have it himself. Same goes for the tight end Eric Saubert, who was also placed on the COVID-19 list just a few days ago and was activated back to the roster. So we're back up to seven tight ends on this Bears depth chart. Still feels like a few too many, but again, not on the list long enough to really seemingly include a positive COVID-19 test for him specifically. And with those two off of the reserve COVID-19 list, that list is now empty in Chicago. A couple of days ago, I think it was over the weekend, Artavis Pierce, the running back who was first placed on the list, he too was removed from the list, and the Bears released the other undrafted free agent, Napoleon Maxwell, because of that switch as well, just to kind of get them down to four running backs on the depth chart. So now they've got two players that have opted out, and then Trey Roberson was placed on the waived injured list, but that's it for guys who have been placed on lists right now that aren't counting towards your 80-man roster. They are a COVID-19 free team at this point, which is always subject to change as players leave House Hall, they go home, maybe they go out to eat at restaurants. You hope they're doing it the best they can to limit their exposure to the public, but chances are that more players will be added to the COVID-19 list as August and the season goes on. But for now, the team is doing a pretty good job of mitigating that risk. And to bring both Saubert and Jenkins back, they had to clear roster spots for them on this 80-man roster. One of those spots came from Jordan Lucas opting out. That takes him off of the roster list in terms of counting toward your 80 players. So that cleared up one spot. And then they also released an offensive lineman, uh, Dino Boyd, uh, a player that we heard 
nothing from all offseason. One of these sort of bottom-of-the-depth chart offensive linemen that could fill in at a spot. But now they only have nine backup offensive linemen at this point, and you wonder, that's not enough for three full teams of offensive lines. So maybe that means somebody plays on both the second and the third team to kind of fill in that way or how that's going to work. But offensive line depth remains thin. It was thin with Dino Boyd. It does not change without Dino Boyd. But clearly um, not overly concerned there. The team doesn't appear to be given the, the priority. I mean, of course they want Saubert and Jenkins back and then Artavis Pierce back on the roster. But you're still sitting at seven tight ends and nine offensive linemen and quick math says 11 wide receivers as well as 11 cornerbacks so it does say something on where the bears choose to keep their depth at this point and where they choose to go back to create some of those spaces we could still see them add an outside player or two in this process as well just given that they haven't even started doing anything close to real practices yet. So it's not like there's a huge rush. I mean, there's always a big rush to get players in and get them acclimated, but the players aren't missing any kind of practice time at this point. It's just sort of walkthroughs and getting back into shape a little bit and getting used to the new environment that they're in. So, you know, you can't rule out that possibility, especially looks like they have three undrafted rookie free agents on the defensive line. Yeah, yeah they're thin at nose tackle, but especially if you brought in another nose tackle some talented veterans still available on the market. You could certainly see one of those undrafted rookies being sacrificed to create some of that room there, or if they start to see any sort of COVID issues or depth issues elsewhere on the roster, there's some wiggle room here with some extra bodies at some extra positions that it's nice to have when you have the luxury, but if that luxury is taken away a little bit, you can definitely uh, trim a little bit of the fat at, at a few different spots. A lot of this COVID-19 conversation also seems to sort of miss the coaching staff quite a bit. And now we've had a couple of NFL head coaches test positive for COVID-19. First was Sean Payton back in the spring a while ago. We kind of forget about that. But then uh, Doug Peterson with the Philadelphia Eagles also just tested positive. And it brought out some interesting discussions that I want to turn to the Chicago Bears with in terms of who's the next man up on the coaching staff? And what does this coaching staff depth chart look like? We'll discuss next on Locked On Bears. Hopefully, Matt Nagy and none of the Bears coaching staff catches COVID-19. You know, what we can tell from Doug Peterson, I believe he is considered asymptomatic and you know, he, he's conducted a couple virtual meetings with the team and sounds like, you know, he's in good shape and, and won't be too negatively impacted by the disease. But Many people are not quite as fortunate, and you don't want to see anybody catch the disease. But it, it brings up some interesting discussions about, okay, where does the chain of command go for this Bears team if you were to start dropping coaches? As far as I can tell, the Bears don't have an official person with the title of assistant head coach. If that was what we saw with the Philadelphia Eagles, is that their running backs coach is running backs coach slash assistant head coach Deuce Staley. So he was actually, you know, filled it, is filling in as their interim head coach, their running backs coach, because they don't, I don't think, technically even have a, a true offensive coordinator. They have the pass game coordinator and the run game coordinator, neither of which is Deuce Staley, but Deuce Staley is the assistant head coach. And so he is, as far as the reporting I've seen, is that he is sort of running meetings in terms of in person and kind of calling some of the shots in that regard over their defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, or anybody else, 
in Philadelphia, but the Bears don't have anybody directly with that assistant head coach title. So I would assume there is a chain of command and there is a emergency plan of action for COVID-19 with this coaching staff. Given how new Bill Lazor is compared to last year, I would think either Chuck Pagano or Chris Tabor would take over as the de facto head coach if Matt Nagy were to be sidelined with COVID-19. But it raises some other questions about, okay, then who who gets to be the play caller and who gets to decide who gets to be the play caller? Because you've got an offensive coordinator, you have a passing game coordinator, and you have the quarterback's coach, and you sort of have the offensive line coach working with the tight ends coach on being the running game coordinator. We would assume it's Bill Lazor, right? But if the passing game coordinator is coordinating the passing game, does Dave Ragone get to call the plays in that regard? And would somebody else call the running plays? Or how, how would that even work during the regular season? And, and, and even once you start going down a step, right? So you have, if Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator, gets COVID-19 and, and has to be away from the team, does the passing game coordinator become the full offensive coordinator? Or... You know, the offensive line coach is working as sort of a running game coordinator, although it is not officially his title anywhere. So why would the passing game coordinator necessarily have the leg up on the running game coordinator, albeit not an official running game coordinator? But then if not Dave Ragone, you know, how do you give it to the offensive line coach over the quarterback's coach or the wide receiver's coach or the running back's coach? I mean, you would think they would need to be somebody with some real experience with this offense, but... Dave Ragone has the experience with the Bears version of the offense, but John DeFilippo has experience with the Eagles version of the offense, and Bill Lazor has some experience as well working in this Andy Reid system before with the Philadelphia Eagles for a year in 2013. But it would definitely look a lot different from a, a philosophy standpoint, just given kind of where these different people are coming from. And, you know, defensive side of the ball, where does, you know, Chuck Pagano's first replacement come you would think Ted Monacino the outside linebackers coach because he has the title of senior defensive assistant and perhaps most importantly when Chuck Pagano was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts Ted Monacino was his defensive coordinator whereas none of the other guys on the coaching staff have quite the same uh, connection and, and pedigree in that regard but at the same time defensive line coach Jay Rogers has been here since 2015, you know, one of the Vic Fangio coaches that was held over as a result, and a, a guy who's done a really good job coaching up this defensive line. So he might not be Monachino's, he might not be Chuck Pagano's direct guy, but he is the the most senior of the remaining Bears defensive coaches, and certainly would have an argument to make there for him to be deserving of taking on that defensive coordinating role. You know, special teams coach, you know, there's an assistant special teams coach, special, you know, strength and conditioning, athletic trainers. There's assistants to kind of fill in those roles in particular. Same even in the front office. You know, if Ryan Pace, for whatever reason, was out of commission for a little while, they've got directors of player personnel, college scouting, football administration, senior vice presidents, assistant directors of player personnel. There's a, a, pretty, a fairly clear hierarchy from that regard. But it's when you get down in the coaching staff a little bit, that it becomes more complicated. Because if you lose your running backs coach, Charles London, for two weeks, who steps over to do running backs? They do have, you know, like an offensive assistant, an offensive quality control coach, 
You know, is either of them qualified enough to coach running backs, or does the wide receivers coach Mike Furry take that on as an additional duty in addition to his receivers, or does the passing game coordinator just automatically absorb whatever position group would become available? You know, because you could make it would make sense for Dave Ragone to take over quarterbacks because he's coached the quarterback position before, was the quarterbacks coach last season and he's actually also coached wide receivers earlier in his career so you could see some potential there for one of those guys to move over had there be if there were to be an outbreak and they have a couple of extra assistants they have assistant wide receivers coach Chris Jackson he could coach wide receivers maybe he could coach running back they have an assistant offensive line coach Donovan Rayola the former player he could take over for Juan Castillo there's there's some natural secession there but who that coaches tight ends if Clancy Barone goes down, does the offensive line coach take that on and give the assistant offensive line coach his offensive line coaching duties, or does the same thing happen at wide receiver? There's not a not a very clear path there. Similar thing defensively, defensive line coach goes out. Who takes that on? You know, one of the defensive quality control coaches, or does the outside linebackers coach add defensive line? Because it's a little bit of a different animal. You know, the big guys up front versus the edge rushers truly sitting on the edge. Again, Monachino has also coached defensive line before, so some of these guys have some of that past experience, but it's not as it's not as easy as, like, when your secondary coach goes out, you could have your safeties coach just kind of step in. Or, you, you know, your inside linebackers coach, Mark DeLone, goes out. They have an assistant linebackers coach, Bill Shuey, who could kind of step in in those regards. But it's just kind of fun to look at this coaching staff depth chart in terms of next man up. And I think it would really be an interesting experiment for this Bears offense in particular, if for whatever reason, again, would never want Matt Nagy to catch COVID-19 or anything like that. Want all these guys to stay safe and healthy for the entire season. But if something like that were to happen or, or Matt Nagy became exposed to somebody and had to be quarantined on a game day, what this Bears team would look like just temporarily with a different head coach and therefore also a different play caller would be very interesting to see. And in isolation of the reason why, if we look at it just in a vacuum and take away the the very serious reason that could be behind it, I would be interested to see what this team might look like just from a one-game sample size, just with somebody else calling the plays, just to see how different it might look and how unified they might be in terms of philosophy in that regard and, and see if these offensive coaching staff changes really will change things in, in a way that's noticeable. You know, it seems like with Matt Nagy calling the plays, some of that stuff won't be as visible on the surface level offensively, but if that play calling situation were to change, that would be an interesting experiment. For now, let's just hope for continued COVID-free Chicago Bears, because that'll give us the closest thing to a normal football team that we could possibly get this season. But whatever happens as we move through the rest of the non-existent preseason into whatever this regular season is going to look like, you can be sure we'll be right here on the Locked On Bears podcast to break it all down and bring you even more daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On Bears on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. That's the best way to make sure you don't miss a single thing. Because whenever anything happens surrounding this Chicago Bears team, you can bet we will be right here for you five days a week, update you on the latest and greatest with your team. If you just listen every day, you won't miss a thing. That's the best way to stay informed and uh, be ready to talk ball with your coworkers. I was going to say at the water cooler, but nowadays I guess it's sort of 
on the Zoom meeting if you're <laughs> working from home or having to work remotely nowadays. It's a it's an adjustment for all of us. And uh, one thing that you won't have to adjust to is this podcast. We're not going anywhere. And we'll always be here to help you bear down.